Welcome to Lumina, a podcast from Afters, the Australian film, television and radio school. If you read Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid, you'll know how they worked. Choose Your Own Adventure books aren't like ordinary books. You started on page one, but then the narrative was structured like a multiple choice. A character reaches the entrance of a cave. If you want her to enter the cave, turn to page six. If you want her to ride away on her horse to safety, turn to page 22. And only you can decide what happens next. Choose Your Own Adventures started as a genre of kids' books in the 1970s, and they gave the reader agency. You were in control of the story. Plus, they were so much fun. For me, this is the era of the home computer, the Commodore 64, early 80s. So things were a lot simpler back then. And if you were like me, you would read using any bookmark you could find, like all of your fingers. So you could always go back and find your place and start again. This new choose-your-own-adventure format was significant because until then, novels were essentially linear and sequential, designed to be read from beginning to end. And this had been pretty consistent for hundreds of years. Books, well, they're predictable. It's a very formulaic structure. I mean, it's not like there aren't experimental books. There are. And there are these extraordinarily elaborate structures. There are books with no, no binding. There are books which go all over the place. I spoke to T. Uglo in our first episode. She's the creative director of Google's Creative Lab in Sydney. And you might remember that she has a desire to disrupt books. And there's something that she said when we met that stuck with me. One of the great problems with time is that we tend to look back to what we've done rather than look forward to what we can't quite see yet but or trust in what we can't quite see so whenever we talk about and it's just hilarious whenever you talk about the idea of dynamic narrative of, of non-contiguous storytelling whatever however long the words are that I use people always go oh you mean like choose your own adventure books <laughs> it's like yes mainly no but yeah sure kind of. let's go there there is we could do a version which was a choose your own adventure book that would be the easiest thing to do because you know what it is. Mm. People will always look backwards and see something that they can understand and then they'll bring that to, the, to whatever conversation you're having. This is true for anything, but certainly when you're talking about experiments within culture, people will bring their knowledge of the past and it, sometimes it's not that great, it's not that helpful. I'm Fenella Kernerbone and you're listening to Lumina, a podcast about how tech innovations challenge and shape the way we share stories. In this episode, the non-negotiables of storytelling. Like T says, when we imagine stories that we can control, we often default to the choose-your-own-adventure label. But the term is completely inadequate when it's applied to the story that I'm experiencing today. It's called the Inspection Chamber and it's designed for smart speakers. Hello, my name is Dave. I hope that life... Yes, thank you, Dave. The first thing would be for you to say who you are. What do you call yourself? Perhaps Dave knows your type already and we can save time. And we can go home. Shh, let it speak. What do you call yourself being? Vanilla. Yeah, I have two jobs. My name's Nikki Birch. I am the exec producer for BBC Research and Development and I also run a company called Rosina Sound. And in both of those roles, I'm currently exploring interactive audio projects using mostly, currently, Amazon Alexa and Google Home. 
Nikki is based in the UK and she worked on the inspection chamber. And it's a story that requires you as the listener to actually craft the narrative. So the inspection chamber is an interactive science fiction drama where you are a character. There's four characters in the piece. There's the AI called Dave. Dave, did that help? Specimen not identified. There's Joseph and Kay, the two scientists. You mustn't influence a specimen. We can't cheat. Buy the book. Yeah, our book schmuck. And you are the final character. You're a being that has to be checked out to determine what kind of being you are. Being, which of these do you identify with? Humanoid. We can rule that out. Humanoid, flip, hummingbird, hummus, carrot. That isn't scientific. That's a nonsense list. Sometimes nonsense works. Being. flip. How you start off is you, you'd say, Alexa, enable the inspection chamber. And then what happens is you are given some instructions and you're told a bit of narrative, at which point you then have to respond. Then you're told some more narrative, you have to respond and so on and so on. If you find yourself feeling lost or wondering where in the universe you are, that is perfectly normal. Storytelling on these kinds of devices, it's new and it does feel like it's breaking the rules. But there are some storytelling principles that should stay the same no matter what the platform is. I mean, a good story is always the same. I mean, it's similar, isn't it? It always has the same fundamentals. Fundamentals like character, a good hook, that beginning, middle and end that propels you forward, making you want more. When technology presents you with infinite possibilities, how do you hold on to these bedrocks? That is what we are exploring today. I suppose we wanted to test out what the technology could do, what the limitations were, and sci-fi appeared to be at that time a good idea. We you know, went through a kind of horror. We thought that could be quite interesting as well. But we wanted to make something that was kind of approachable because I'm interested in the technology and how it can be pushed and squeezed as much as the story and the narrative itself. You're, you're testing out what the technology can do as much as being interested in the narrative and the story and the drama behind it. Currently, if you're working in a kind of creative medium or creative projects on these platforms, is that you have to respond every 90 seconds to two minutes, right? So you have to design narratives that encourage response every two minutes or every minute and a half. And so only certain formats are going to work with that in the moment. So quizzes would work, interviews. You haven't got as much freedom as you think you might from a conversational design aspect. You haven't got the freedom to do whatever you want. You can't play lots of long-form audio and then ask a series of complex questions. You really have only got 90 seconds to a minute's worth, two minutes worth of audio before you have to get the user to interact. As a first attempt at interactive storytelling, using a voice-activated smart speaker, it's not bad and hopefully leads to a few more experiments. You have to design something that really works around those limitations and it's quite, it's quite tricky from a design perspective and sometimes quite frustrating from a user's perspective. So we're, this is what I'm saying about how you need to test all this stuff out and that's why the work that I've been doing is really, I'm hoping, will influence people who can come up with something better but because they're looking and listening to what we're doing and going, OK, that's interesting, but... How can I make this bigger and more commercial? We can come up with some amazing stories and some amazing, you know, the serial of, you know, interaction design. 
You used the word limitations before, but I wonder what it actually means for the storytellers to to work with those kinds of restrictions. Does it make you better storytellers or those restrictions are too stressful? What do you think? On the one hand, like constraints really help creativity, right? Because if you give someone constraints, you give creative people a limited palette, that's often really helpful, isn't it? You can kind of go, right, you've only got these two minutes to work with and then you have to have a question in there, an interaction, what can you do? Sometimes that, that provides really interesting results. But other other times it is frustrating and, and it's really long-winded, right? Because it's not the same as creating 20 minutes of audio, which is beautifully structured and thinking how the audience might kind of, you know, beginning, middle and end. You're, you're thinking about the multiple paths that the user might take. You're thinking about all the potential answers a user might give and how the journey might be impacted on the potential answers, they, how they respond. Now, not being a user of Alexa, it was an odd experience for me for the first time. It felt a bit slow, a bit clunky. But if you use a smart speaker every day, then those back and forth exchanges, they would become more natural. And it's curious too, because when you think about how we speak, the human rhythm, the ums, the ahs, our hesitation, they're all things that the writer on something like the inspection chamber has to factor into the creative process. It's a lot more intellectually challenging I'd say than creating a regular piece of audio you know because you have to you have to really plan out and map out all the different paths and as well as those you know there's many different ways we can respond we can respond by saying yes we can respond by saying maybe we can respond by saying uh don't know you know even those three answers you have to every single potential answer that the user says has to be mapped out So it's quite complicated, but that doesn't mean it necessarily inhibits creativity. This is a non-linear story format, yet there are some essentials to story, even though it's different to what we might know as traditional storytelling. So, So what are some of the essential components of storytelling that you knew had to be preserved? A lot of people talk about choose your own adventure stories when you come to talk about interactive storytelling. And me and the writer... Tim Wright and a producer, another producer, Henry Cook, we felt quite strongly that we didn't want to do a choose-your-own-adventure interactive story where there's kind of like 100 different endings, possible endings. You can get quite a lot of those on on the uh, Alexa store now, and they're quite popular, actually. The quality of the story, it, it doesn't resonate with me very well. I wanted there still to have a beginning, a middle, and a couple of different endings, but not, you know, 35 different endings. We still wanted it to have, you know, the user to go on a particular journey. And I suppose it makes it easier as well to write in that way. So it's kind of like a a linear journey, but with a few variants that you can do. So so one of the clever things that the inspection chamber did is that it would ask you for um, some questions, it would ask you for specific answers, and then it would map some of those answers that you said later into a song. Would you like me to sing to you? The kind of um, AI character in this sings back to you. I have a very good singing voice. Twinkle, twinkle, little being. How I wonder what you're seeing right so you kind of some of your answers get kind of used later on in in a kind of song and it's quite it's reasonably clever like an hujama flip in the sky thank you for listening so i think that i feel quite strongly that you know a, a narrative is is still important it should remain and it should be core to to good kind of entertainment 
the difficult thing is that in terms of in terms of the Alexa store, and we've had the response from from Amazon actually, who said to us, you know, if you want it to be more popular, have more endings. Uh, genuinely, you know, they say that, that that they now advise people who are creating interactive stories to create at least ten endings, because people want to have a go. They see it more like a game, and they want to come back and they want to try it again and again and again. And our experience in the inspection chamber is effectively, you know, one go, and it's a one one story. So it's more like it's a kind of mixture between a a radio drama and a game. And I don't think there's many people working in terms of the the sort of radio drama space on these devices yet. And I'd like to see more and I'd like I'd be really interested to see what other people are doing and hear more people who are kind of exploring this space and I I'm really interested to hear what the Americans are doing and you know what Gimlet are doing in this space because I think there's room for interactive drama that isn't you know isn't just a kind of game that's a puzzle or anything like that. How do you push back against this idea that to do something like this that needs to be gamified? What's your what's your response to try and say we need to find a way to enable this type of uh, storytelling to exist on these platforms that isn't a game? You know, it's not that choose your own adventure drama scenario. I think it needs a big budget. I mean, what we're doing is is small fry, and we're trying to inspire people to do. To, I suppose to people to come up and say, "Look, I'm going to invest some money in this, and I'm going to get a great writer, and I'm going to really try and uh, and kind of crack this." We at R and D and at Rosina Sound, we see ourselves as the people who inspire other people to have those big ideas. We go around and we go around to conferences, and we explain what we've done, and we showcase what we do. And we want to demonstrate that there's potential in this medium that people who have, you know, the, the big writers and the, and, and the kind of big budget and the big cast and crew, they should be getting involved in this because it's really exciting. Our, our job is not to make those ourselves. It might be that other people in the BBC do and can. What we're doing is we want to showcase that the technology allows that. You know, next year it's all going to be about what they're calling multimodal, which is, you know, basically with screens, voice-activated content through much more through your mobile and through your Fire TV and, you know, through devices with screens. And things are changing quite rapidly in this space. And I, it might be that actually the narrative work will pick up when people are more used to using devices and the devices in a different way. I think the idea of just a smart speaker and a, a little kind of a dot in your kitchen I think will change. You know, the, the era of the smart speaker is is going to be short-lived, I think, as voice-enabled technology kind of comes to so many other devices and that will change how we interact with our machines. So it's not really, um, hey, here's a new device that sits in your kitchen. It'll be, here's how we talk to computers. And that will, I think, have a big impact on, on storytelling and, and how we use them. When people experience it, tell me a bit about the response that you get from audiences. Some people, I think, are a bit like, yeah, whatever, if I'm honest. Some people are, oh, yeah, it's not for me. And some people are like, that's really clever and that's really cool. So it's kind of, it depends. You know, some people want more interaction and some people want less. So there's a definite kind of split around. Some people really want the devices to be able to do more and expect it. So you're, we're all used to watching like films like Her and things where you think, hold on a sec, you know, these devices should be able to do so much for me. And of course, they aren't. They're much more limited. And so there's a, they're a bit frustrated or disappointed at what the technology can do. And so with the story, but other people are really impressed by it and really engage and have enjoyed the being able to be involved in and, and, and get purchase on the story. Um, so I'm currently doing a piece which is a reversion 
of a 1960s book called The Unfortunates because some people in the user feedback said they didn't want to interact as much, right? They didn't, they, they felt uncomfortable interacting. So what we've done is a kind of The Unfortunates is a, is a book that was written by B.S. Johnson in 1969. It was done as a, a series of pamphlets. The book wasn't bound. It was just done as a series of pamphlets to be read in any order. BBC Radio 3, they broadcast this book, beautiful piece, but they broadcast it in linear order. So it wasn't true to how the book was uh, kind of originally devised. And so what we've done is we've created a randomised version, right? So every time you open the skill, you get asked a few questions about the piece and then you get the randomised, effectively randomised playlist, randomised drama. So it's different every time you hear it. So that's kind of responding a little bit to the feedback that we've had from the, the user research for the inspection chamber. Um, and then we're doing it, the following piece after that is say is more about kind of emotional intelligence and, and looking at kind of trying to get a younger audience involved as well. And that's going to be more people who like to interact even more. So they're trying to, we're trying to kind of offer the, the flip side. People who don't want to interact, here's the unfortunates. People who want to interact even more, we are doing our next project, which will be released um, in 2019. Storytelling itself, do you think that it will ever change? That You know, you talked about it before that there is the non-negotiable elements of this. This is the beginning, the middle and the end. That's it. You know, we've got characters, we've got story arcs, we've got all those things that come into it. But with these new technologies, is how we want to listen to or experience stories, do you think that is going to change at all? I don't think because the technology is going to change, that the telling of the story is going to change. It's just going to be adapted into, into the new forms. You know, you'll still always need a good hook. You'll still need a good characters. You'll still need a good story arc. I don't think that changes in the medium. That hasn't changed with the art of film. It didn't change from books to film. It stayed the same with audio or television. It hasn't changed. Drama is still drama. It's still presented in the same way, whether it's the theatre or on podcast, there's similarities. Obviously, there's avant-garde versions of any of that, but um, I don't think because it has to be interactive that you lose out on, you know, having a great structure and having great characters and having a great story. The inspection chamber, unfortunately, isn't available to audiences in Australia just yet. So if you're the kind of storyteller interested in developing smart speaker content, then there might be an opportunity for you here. In these early days, it's hard to say if technology like this will take off before it is usurped by yet another technology. For example, what happened to the interactive CD-ROM? However, what will always survive are those good, strong principles of storytelling. You have been listening to Lumina, a podcast from Afters, Australia's national screen and broadcast school, dedicated to finding, developing and supporting Australian storytelling talents. Lumina is produced for Afters by Audiocraft with Selena Shannon and Jess O'Callaghan. Our sound engineer is Ryan Pemberton and our executive producer is Kate Montague. My name is Fenella Kernerbone and if you'd like to hear more of these episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. have been listening to Lumina, a podcast from Afters.